0: Just bow our heads right now. I know many of us, we have we have things that are weighing on us. And you don't have to stand up. You don't have to raise your hand. But that you would know that you're not alone. And that we're a church that doesn't just talk about prayer. We don't just study prayer. We don't preach on prayer alone. That we actually pray. We actually pray. And we know that God hears. And God's moving. Father, as we pause, we acknowledge that you are you are doing things that are very painful, that are very unexpected. There are things in our families, in our marriages, with our kids, with our parents. There are things at work. There are things in our neighborhood. There are things going on at school. There are things going on in our. Our youth group, all the way to our our men, our women. God, we carry burdens. God, we are we're a people that are guaranteed suffering, and we just want to acknowledge we're always surprised when trials come. We're always surprised when suffering comes our way. But God, this we know: we know that you you bring comfort, you bring hope, you bring encouragement. Remind us that we are not alone. We are not alone. Each one of us could could share stories, God, where sometimes we feel like you're really far away. And sometimes we feel like you don't care. Sometimes we feel like you're playing games in our lives and you're messing with us and you have abandoned us. And that You have answers and solutions and You're not willing to give it to us. God, help us to be honest about the struggles that we have. Not just with people. Not just with hurts and pains. Not just with everything from cancer to loss of job to debt to marriage conflict to addictions. God, sometimes our struggle is with You. So would You heal us of bitterness and anger? Would You allow us freedom to be able to see that You are good? God, You have not left us. That You are here. And this Christmas season, this is an Advent season of expectation, Emmanuel. God, that You will be with us. That You will arrive. That You will come. That You will slip into our skin. That You will be just like us. That You will suffer that You will be tortured, that You will die. And You came anyway and You did it for us. You did it because You love, because You care, because You see and You know, and You saw the problem, and You provided solution. So God, if if You would not hold back Your own Son, how would You not freely give us everything else that we need how would you hold back any other gifts or goodness if you don't hold back yourself? If you're willing to die for us, God, you're willing to give us everything that will provide us with life and joy. So make us a church that, that mourns together, that suffers together, that goes through trials together. Make us a church that does not give up, that we don't give up on each other. We don't give up on You. We don't walk away. We don't run away. We don't hide. We press in deeper. God, give us grace for our specific needs. God, You know each one. You know each one. You're our only hope. If You don't show up, if You don't come in power, there is no hope. But God, You are the God of hope. So right now, prepare our hearts that as we enter into Your Word, we understand that we are not just with You. You are not just with us, but You are giving us everything that we need to have a new identity, new purpose, new pursuits, new goals. God, a new hope in the midst of great darkness and trouble and trial. God, You're changing everything. You're changing everything. Even if nothing changes in our lives. Even if the problems don't go away. God, you are changing us. You're doing a work in our hearts. So God, have your way. We want to say that together. We want to say that as a church. We want to be unified in this. God, your way, your timing, your will, we surrender. Your kingdom come your will be done in Jesus name amen if you have a copy of god's word would you open with me ephesians chapter 3 if you have a booklet would you open to week number 8 cuz this is where this is where we're going to land in our series of made for more So this is the one time, this is the one chance you get to say land the plane at the beginning of the message. So, all right, everybody, everybody say land the plane. Here we go. We're landing today. We're finishing up Ephesians 1 through 3. If you haven't been with us, welcome. If you've been here periodically, then you can go online. You can listen to past messages. You can be able to dive back through the book of Ephesians on your own. But I love this. I love that we can end here. And here it is. Who are you? Who am I? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been born again, if your sins are forgiven and your home is heaven, here's one thing that you can say about yourself. You can say, I am empowered. I am empowered. I have supernatural power. Every say, I am empowered. I'm empowered. I'm empowered by not my own will, my own might, my own gifts. There is someone outside of me that has all power and all authority and he has chosen to take up residence within me. Do you believe that? That there is a power at work. And here's what's beautiful. Eventually, we'll get to a place where we're going to go through a series on the Trinity. Anybody excited about that? So we're going to solve all of the mysteries about the theology of of the Trinity. Three in one. God, the Godhead, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, we kicked off this series seeing back to back to back the Father at work in our salvation and Jesus coming to redeem and that the Holy Spirit coming to seal. Well, how does Paul, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, how does he finish up this first section of Ephesians one through? Three, he walks back through the Trinity once again. We see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Spirit all together here in these verses. And So so here's the bottom line. If you you don't get anything else and you you just want the the bottom line, main statement, main point of the message, if you forget everything else, my God strengthens me, reveals to me, and accomplishes for me. I, I hope you're humbled by this reality. I am so unworthy, but I'm so blessed. I'm so unworthy, but I'm so blessed. In a day where we are eager to say, no, no, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. The reality is as we stand before God, we recognize what? I'm not worthy to be in God's presence. I'm not worthy. What did I do? Did I work hard enough? Was I I smarter than you that I became a Christian? Was I more moral than you that I got right with God? Was it my hard work? that made me worthy enough of God's love, while others maybe just aren't working hard enough to get God's favor, I hope we're on the same page, that none of us are worthy of forgiveness, of grace. That's why it's called grace, because we don't deserve it. But man, do you know how blessed you are? Do you know that a God that sees us who are not worthy, loves us, gives to us, sacrifices for us, and He gives us power that we don't have. So if you're taking notes, just jot this down. On my knees. I'm on my knees. It's His power that strengthens my inner being. Or another way we could say, my approach to God is I come on my knees because my soul needs power. It needs strengthening. Verse 14, if you're in Ephesians chapter 3, is everybody there? Everybody say, I'm there. If you're there, don't lie in church. Don't lie in church, right? Like if you're really there, you can say, I'm there, all right? But Ephesians 3 Verse 14 through 17, if you want to track with me, we're reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. For this reason, I bow my knees, there it is, I bow my knees before the Father, I don't know what your dad was like, I don't know what your dad is like, but this Heavenly Father, He's different than your dad. He treats people differently than maybe you've been treated growing up. I don't know what your father's like, but God, the Father, He's awesome. He's awesome. He is worthy of us. Bowing our knee, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, you know your papa's filthy rich? He's got all riches. He's got everything at His disposal. What does He do with it? That He would grant you, He would grant me to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being and down to your soul, everything that is within you. How awesome is that, that we see here? We see the Father worthy of worship. We see the Spirit empowering. And I've been reading through a little bit of Acts. Would would you just track with me a little bit? You don't have to write these things down. I'll I'll throw out some addresses. But what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in power in the church? Well, the early church, we see this. In the book of Acts, where the church began, Acts 4.8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to rulers. He spoke to kings, to princes, and they saw the boldness with which he spoke. A guy, a nobody, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks up even to the highest of the high. Acts four thirty-one. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, violently shaking, and they were all filled with the Spirit of God, spoke the word of God with great boldness over the people. That's what happens when the Spirit of God shows up. Acts six, five, and ten. Anybody remember a dude named Stephen? Stephen was the first martyr, first Christian to be killed for his faith. Stephen, he was a deacon, okay, that was preaching. All right, so a word to our our deacons, hit in the street as an evangelist, as a preacher. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and the Jews could just not withstand the wisdom with which he spoke because he wasn't speaking his own words. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. Upon somebody fills them, right? Acts 7.55, Stephen, the Holy Spirit, here's how his story ends. The next chapter, Stephen gazed into heaven, filled with the Holy Spirit, saw the glory, the glory of God. He beheld God's glory. Jesus standing there right at the right hand of God the Father. How awesome is that? When the Holy Spirit comes, things happen things move and for some of us i wonder if just this morning we need to acknowledge fully we need to embrace completely this that the holy spirit's power is not just for the crazy charismatics and pentecostals all right the holy spirit is not just for some it's not just for uh, a few people get the holy spirit the holy spirit is not an it the holy spirit is a him he is a person he's the third person of the trinity and he lives in, dwells in permanently every single believer. And when He comes in, He does not leave. He doesn't come and go. He stays. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Power is yours. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? It's not about personality. It's not about necessarily that that you grew up in a certain tradition. All of us to recognize that if we have the Holy Spirit in us, if He is living in us, then He should be showing up through us. And maybe not in ways that we would expect, but we see consistently there is a boldness. There is a glory given to the Son. And I, I just, I want to be as practical as as possible, all right? Everybody say get practical. We're not talking about some kind of weird experiences. We're talking about what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit on a daily basis. You, you want to <laughs> jot some notes down? I know you do. I know you do. I see, I see you there with your, your pen, your pencil. You're ready to write some things down. How do I experience God's power? How do I experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Here's just four things. Just jot this down. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit uses God's words, right, to be able to lead us and fill us. If we're not filled with the Word of God, we can't be filled with the Spirit of God fully controlling us and leading us. We are led by the Spirit as much as we are filled with the Word of God, the truth of God. Uh, Number two, guess what? you can read the Bible. I don't know about you, but I had I had a, a granny that in front of everybody, every time we were together, she's just always sitting in her, her little rocker and she's opening her Bible and she's cussing like a sailor and she's screaming at everybody and she's yelling and bitter and angry. And everybody in the house is smoking and drinking and there they are just, I'm in the Bible. I'm in the Bible. Do it. Do it. And I'm like, How about you do what the Bible says? Stop reading it and believe it. Believe it. Embrace it. It wasn't until I was 21 years old that I understood the Word of God for the first time because I was born again of the Spirit of God. And I recognized it doesn't matter how much we are in the Word. Is the Word in us? Do we believe it? Are we hungry for it? Believe the Word of God. Pray earnestly for the power of God. How does that happen? We start small and we say, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pray every day for one minute. Then the next week, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to do it for five minutes. And and over time, you're going to say, There are things that are not going to change in my life unless I am not just praying, but that God's calling me to fast and pray. I'm willing to skip a meal and not just skip a meal because I'm trying to trim down a little bit and drop some love handles after the holidays, but instead, I need to see breakthrough in my family with my relationships in my life. I'm seeking God for some miraculous things and to overcome and breakthrough of health and mental and spiritual. And and I need to fast and I need to get away and I need to get hungry after God and hungry after His power in my life to overcome, to pray earnestly for His power, His filling, and for answers. And lastly, After we do this consistently and we're walking with Him, do you believe that God is going to be poking, prodding, He's going to be speaking, He's going to be whispering, He's going to be addressing issues in our life? And what do we have? We have the option. We have the choice, right? Am I going to obey what God is telling me? Am I going to obey these words? I'm not going to consider it. I'm not going to think about it. Instead, God, it's clear through Your Word. It's clear through The Spirit working in me and telling me, hey, that's got to go. This has to change. You need to move forward. You need to have the conversation. You need to address this in your life. And at some point, you got to say, I I just need to obey. Every time God speaks, I'm going to say yes. Yes. I've been wearing a bracelet for the past. Well, it's a band, right? Bracelets are for sissies. I wear bands. It's a band, dude. It's silicon. Yes, I will. We sing that song. But it's, it's one thing to sing it. It's another thing every day. God, this hurts so bad. You want me to do what? You want me to speak there? You want me to talk to them? You want me to change that? You want me to give up that thing that I'm so unwilling to give up? You want me to give in a different way, in a new way? You want me to stop going there and start going here? You want me to change my relationships and my schedule and my time and my finances? And when it hurts, are you at a place where you're, I'm just done fighting with God. I'm done saying no. I'm done making excuses. Yes, I will. God will do it. I'll obey. How awesome of a life that God has for us that we immerse ourselves in His Word. We believe His Word. We pray earnestly. We obey the Holy Spirit. And He changes us. He changes us. And i just been thinking over the week, God is changing so many lives in our church. Do you see it? Do you see it? He's moving. He's making changes where it didn't seem like there was hope for change. It didn't seem like hope was even a possibility in our situation, in our life. And you know what what I'm watching? I'm watching not circumstances changing, but people changing changing even if circumstances don't, even if nothing changes in your marriage, nothing changes in your parenting, nothing changes with your kids, nothing changes with your finances, nothing changes with your job, I'm watching one after another say, but I'm changing. Because I'm saying, yes, God, yes, I will. I'll do it. Even if everything falls apart, I'll obey you. I'll go through this. Not bitter and angry, not complaining, not comparing myself, not envying others. Not questioning you, God, but surrendering again and again, even if you take everything away and you strip everything away, I will obey you. He changes us from one degree of glory to another, one degree of glory to another. If if you need a passage to meditate on this week, here it is. Here it is. All right, I will give you everything except offer you the three by five card and the pen. Okay, that's your job. You can do that. All right, you grab a post it, you grab a card, you get this going in your life. Man, this has been so powerful for me. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. All right, two verses. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. One's enough. Sorry, you, you get extra credit, right, for for two, two passages here. Meditate, think about, review this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Anybody want that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is at work, there's freedom. People are being freed. The Spirit of God is at work, and He is. He's leading people to freedom. We all, with unveiled face, there's nothing in between anymore. There's no barrier. There's no blockage. We have access where we can behold the glory of the Lord. Everybody say that's awesome. To to behold, to to see the glory of the Lord. Those that are doing that, being led by the Spirit, seeing and gazing and enjoying and delighting in the glory of God, What's happening? What's happening? They're being transformed into the same image. Jesus. Jesus. They're being transformed to look just like Him and sound like Him and talk like Him and live like Him from one degree of glory to another. From one degree of glory to another. Does it happen all at once? Turn to your name and say, I submit to you it does not. Let them know. No. Not all at once. Not once. Not immediately, but over time, what is it? One degree of glory to another, the Spirit of God, as I'm on my knees, His power working in me. And it, he says it again. Paul's like, I want to repeat this. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In verse 17, do you see this? We're back to Ephesians 3. Everybody back, Ephesians 3. Everybody say, got it. There we are, verse 17. What? Why all this? Why is this happening? Why is the Father working? Why is the Spirit empowering? So that, so that, here we go. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may find his home. He may be comfortable living and dwelling in you because he has full control. How does that happen? Through faith. Through faith. I trust you, God. I trust you. That you being rooted and grounded in, what is it? In love. In love. There's our Advent word. The only way the Trinity is going to show up in power, the Godhead is going to be at work in his people is because there's going to be roots that go down deep rooted in love. Love for who? Love for God showing up in all of our relationships. Love for, for others. Is that happening in your life? I don't want to assume it. I don't want to assume it. But if God is in you, if you call yourself a Christian, then God is at work in you producing something that you can't produce on your own. That you're rooted. You can't get yanked up. You can't get blown around. Love is what holds you firm no matter what you're facing this is the life of a christian this is the life of a christian so on my knees his power is strengthening me number two here we go everybody ready with an open mind i'm on my knees what's my position i get get a posture of prayer i'm on my knees the godhead is at work in me through me he's changing me and then with an open mind his power brings fullness of his love so verse 17 let's recap that again so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, God? What's going to happen if I'm filled with the Spirit, if I'm in the Word, if I am listening to God's voice, if I'm seeking to see the glory of God, verse 18, that I may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Who are all these peeps? Who are all these saints we're talking about? every person that has ever trusted in Christ coming or looking back and trusting in the finished work that Jesus finished on the cross, whether before the cross or after the cross, all saints, all believers, all those that have been made right with God, that we would comprehend together, together, this is for us, together. Everybody say together. We we do this together. This is not a solo deal. This is togetherness that we are comprehending. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth uh paul where are you going here he's like i'm trying to describe how immense and how deep and how wide like there is no words that i can put to this to comprehend and to know here it is verse 19 to know the love of christ it surpasses knowledge it blows my mind it blows everyone's minds that come to him and experience his grace this love for me for me are you there this morning? Why me? What did what did I do? Well, remember, I am unworthy, but I am so blessed. I am blown away by love that I did not earn and I did not deserve. And what does he say? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Every single one of us is as full of God as we choose. We have a choice. God, all all of me, surrender to all of you. Fill me, control me, lead me. I'm yours. You have a choice every single day. Say, God, you get it all. You get it all. I'm here. I'm available. I will say yes, wherever you lead, whatever you call me to do. And I, I just jotted this down. I don't know if this is going to be helpful for you, but I just think over time, do you believe that God has the ability to increase your capacity to be fuller and fuller, and fuller, that, that you are more surrendered. You're more available. You are more, I'm all in. I'm, I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not one foot in, one foot out. And over time, saying yes, more and more, I believe that we have the ability to increase our capacity. So I jotted this down. God wants to increase your capacity to joyfully love Him. And I don't know where you're at right now, because I think for, for many of us, we might be at a place where There's little faith and there's little love. So just evaluate yourself. Don't look around the room. You're just asking, what's my capacity to be filled with the fullness of God? Can I have a moment of of honesty here? For many of us, we are a very small-hearted, small-faith people that we said yes to Jesus at one point, and just like the Grinch, our heart is still unable to be moved with compassion, to weep over hurting people, to not move in and press in when there's a need, to avoid by busyness doing our thing so that we don't have to get involved in the messiness of other people's. I'm already full. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. And I wonder if today, I wonder if today, today could be the day that God said, I have an endless supply. That's where the illustration breaks down. Okay, that is a limited supply. I wonder if, I wonder if this is a season, the Advent season is, God, I'm so tired of being of little faith, little hearted, so selfish, so consumed, only, always thinking about me and what I want and what feels good now and what seems right to me and everybody else can just take care of themselves. And God's like, you can do that and you're going to heaven, but your life is just, God's saying, that's a good place to start, it's not a good place to stay. And I wonder if months and months and weeks and weeks, you're just like, God, expand, expand my capacity. I want to be able to love more, which means I need to be able to receive more. I want the fullness, the fullness. I want, and he's like, okay, we're getting closer, right? We're getting a little bit closer. And being full, I'm like, I want to make an impact. I want to make a change. I want to be able to love people in a way that is better, is more, is greater than where I'm at. And and you know what's awesome? I'm watching. Us as a church, being pushed and stretched and overwhelmed at times. There's a reason that so many of us are in tears going, Do I have to? And like, okay, I will. Okay, I'll I'll do it. I'll step into the area of ministry and God, because God's changing and expanding and stretching our ability to experience his power. Are you experiencing that? God, I want I want more of you in my life. I want more ability to receive. Because I want to be able, like, I just want my life to be overflowing. I want to live a life that's that's not little hearted in the little faith. I, I want more of you, God. I want more of you because I want my life to leave an impact that's more than just a little droplet of some good. And I don't know how much time you spend thinking about legacy, but I'm on the phone almost on a weekly basis with people talking about Are you experiencing the power of God in your life? Not, are you busy doing ministry? Are you busy doing a lot of stuff? But I'm asking the question, man, what is he doing? What is he doing in a fresh way? What is he doing to change you? And hearing story after story of God showing me that it's less about all of the busyness and all of the doing and making sure my life is ordered and structured in such a way that I can maximize me. There's more room and there's more capacity to be able to step out of my comfort zone in risk-taking, and then watch what happens as God takes us to places that we never thought possible. Not just more stuff, but bigger hearted people even around us. I don't want to point people out, but you are sitting close to somebody that over this past year, over these past couple years, that part of their story is, I really didn't give a rip about people all that much. Really didn't care. I was busy. I was busy. Just focused on what I had to do. I got enough going on. I got enough going on in my life, okay? And do you know what's happening? Week after week, month after month is like, well, I can meet that need. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? We we need to go help. We, we need to meet that need. I'm not waiting for somebody else. I'm not living for me anymore. God's increasing our capacity to experience His love and to offer it in new ways. And I hope that's you. I hope that's you. That God wants to. He wants to increase our capacity. He wants to do it because we can go from duty, "Ah, I have to, to I want to. I want to do it. I love to. I'm there. And I, I love the fact that over the next months for us to be able to hear more and more testimonies, more and more stories of I was one way and now I'm completely different. And it's Him, right? It's Him. The only explanation is, I knew about Him, but I wasn't experiencing Him. I I knew Him from afar, but we're getting closer and closer. I'm hearing His voice. My heart is burdening for the things that are breaking His heart. He's using me. He's using me. If you have the ability to jot these passages down, here could be some of your homework this week. How do you go from duty to delight? Well, you acknowledge... That Jesus is worthy of all of our minds' attention and our hearts' affection and our will's submission. That he is worthy because he gave it all because he created us and then recreated us for his mission and his purpose. And when we surrender all to that, we recognize he's more valuable. He's more valuable than anything else that I used to pursue. Here's what's crazy. Matthew 13, 44. Matthew 13, 44. No one sells all that they own to buy a stinking field unless that field holds so much value and treasure that it's worth giving up everything and charging after and digging up that treasure and beholding the glory of the treasure that's offered. God says my kingdom is like that. It's worth it. It's worth it. No one forsakes sin to trust and obey Jesus unless His salvation and His sanctifying power really does hold out far more pleasure than the fleeting pleasures of this world. Nobody's going to do that unless it's true unless it's true that He is more valuable, that He brings more pleasure. No one will and no one can draw near to God without believing that He richly rewards those who seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. Nobody counts their own righteousness as loss unless they believe that Jesus' righteousness is the only thing that grants Him inexpressible joy of knowing the Father. Philippians 3, 9 and 10. Nobody leaves houses and brothers and sisters and father, mother, children, or lands To follow Jesus for the sake of Jesus without understanding that he is the greater reward. He is the closer relative, right? He is the, the brother that God is the father worth giving up family and turning our back on even blood relatives to say yes to God. Unless he's better. That is stupid, but he's better. He's more valuable. No one willingly suffers for Jesus' sake unless he believes that his afflictions aren't worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory awaiting him, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. And nobody willingly embraces martyrdom. We just read about Stephen earlier for Jesus' sake. Nobody dies. Nobody dies for a cause unless they consider that death is actually gain. To die is gain. It's better to be with him I'm going to lay down my life for him. Philippians 1.21, Paul says, can we just pause right now and pray? We're not done yet. I want us to slow down and allow our hearts to catch up with the truth. He's better. He's better. He's more valuable. He's worth it. And that today could be the day I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm not holding on to my thing, my stuff, my life, my way, my dreams. Heavenly Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us. You know how fall, fallen we are, how short we come. Your standard, it's perfection. And we're a mess. And we're rebels at heart. And we want our own way. And we want what we want when we want it. God, forgive us so that we can live differently. And God, thank You for covering our sin. It's the wickedness. The things that we keep saying yes to. The things that over-promise and under-deliver. And we keep biting the bait. We keep giving in. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the addictions we keep coming back to. Forgive us for the ways that we look and that we want and that we pursue and chase. The ways that we freak out when things are taken from us. The things we really value. And it's not you. God, forgive us for trusting in ourselves. For trusting in economy. Political leadership. Things being done the way that they used to. All of our comforts, all the familiarity that we cling to. And God, you're calling us to step out and follow you. So help us. Help us in our time of need. We repent together as a church. We repent. We want to turn. We want to turn away from living the self-willed life, the life lived according to our own thinking. And God, we know where our best thinking gets us. And it's a dead end every time. It's regret every time. So Holy Spirit, would you fill us with the fullness of God. God, we want more of you. We want our capacity to be stretched. So would you do that for us? Even right now, as we have that image of of the Grinch's heart growing multiple times over and over to have capacity, to have the ability to love and care when we used to not give a rip at all. God, you know where we've been. You know how hard-hearted we have been. Change us. God, change us. And we want to delight in you. We don't want you to be a duty. We don't want your list to be our list that we check the boxes. God, we want you to be our greatest treasure. Be our treasure. Be the most valuable thing in our lives that we would run after you. We would give up everything to follow you. We pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Number three. This is the real land the plane, all right? Every single land the plane. Here we go. I'm on my knees. His power strengthens my inner being. With an open mind, His power brings fullness of love. And here it is. It's in trust, in full trust, in full trust. His limitless, gracious, and glorious power. It's just staggering. It's staggering if we fully trust in Him. Here's verse 20. Some of of us know it. Ephesians 3.20. Maybe you knew it before we even got here. Anybody? Is this familiar? Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly or exceedingly than all that we ask or think. Does that sound familiar to some of us? God, you're able. You're able to do far more abundantly, exceedingly than anything that I ask or think. Why? Because it's according to the power that works where? Somewhere far off in the heavens? Where is there power at work in us? Turn your neighbor and say, it's in you. It's in you. It's in you. The power that is at work within you, within me, within us. How do we respond to all this? To Him be glory in the church. To Him be glory in the church. Every say, in the church. This is His church. To Him be glory in His church. Among His church, among His people. Glory to God. Glory to God. And not just when we show up together and not just for a few minutes or a couple hours, but every time that we gather, there are glory stories. And every time we leave, we're anticipating more glory seen from one degree of glory to another that we are Change that it's all week long, that it's moment by moment, glory to God in His church, through the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout. I love this throughout all generations, all generations. There's a reason that around here we talk a lot about the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, because we have lost it. We have dropped the ball. Every generation has a propensity towards dropping the ball, and we have to start all over again with the next generation. God's heart, God's burden throughout all of the ages has been from one generation to another generation. Don't drop the ball. Keep passing the baton. Don't let it hit the ground. Pass the faith on every generation they need to hear it again they need to hear it afresh they need to hear it anew we cannot lose a generation all generations glory to God and I hope some of us are a little bit encouraged that God is doing a new thing in the new generation, that there is rising up new songs and new worship and a new passion to be able to gather together and be in community, that there is a generation that's longing for something that's real and authentic. And that we say, glory to God in the church and to all generations. And it's on us. To say, not on our watch, we're not dropping the ball. It's gonna be to all generations in his church. glory, glory. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Man, somebody help me out. And ever and ever. Glory to God in this church for all generations. Forever and ever. Amen.